In order to live your all-in life, you have to be open and you have to trust. How can you stay open and how do you trust when your trust has been betrayed repeatedly? Hi, welcome to another episode of Business Mindset Mastery. We keep tackling the hard questions here on this show. My name's Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and performance coach for business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. You can always find me over at choosetohaveitall.com. And today's discussion really kind of picks up where we left off yesterday. Those of you who had a listen to yesterday's show know that I did a special episode for a friend of mine who's standing in a really long line for her turn in the sun. She's been doing everything she can to have her big, bold life, and she just isn't getting the yes in response. The episode I did for my friend really seemed to have connected with some of you and really moved you, and I'm so glad for that. I I think it's nice for my friend, too, to know that her struggle is shared and that everybody's on the journey and we all lose faith and hope sometimes. But I also got a lot of questions about friendship in general. Um, the the episode seemed to have stirred some thoughts and feelings about friendship and trust and openness. I got a couple of letters about it and I chose this one to read to you. And I'm hoping that the other people who wrote to me will get some healing and hope and my response here for their struggles as well. It's a bit of a long letter, but I'm not going to edit it down. I I think it's kind of beautifully written, and I think that we could all uh, benefit from hearing the story as it was intended to be read. So here goes. Hi Heather, you might remember me that I you might remember that I wrote to you a couple of weeks ago after you read your letter to yourself. I asked you what your friend Ashley said to get you off the bathroom floor. That is still my favorite episode you've done, but Heather, yesterday I listened to your episode twice and I listened to it again this morning. That episode you did for your friend. I don't know if it was for Ashley or not, but I keep weeping as I listen to it. Because Heather, what I really wanted to ask you last time, but I was too scared to ask was, how did you do it? How did you get a friend like that? One who would get up, who could get you up in the middle of your worst moment with just a text. I listened to you yesterday with jealousy and loneliness washing all over me. It was an out of control tide of longing, wishing, and self-hatred. I want friendships like you have, Heather, but I have no idea how to have one. I don't trust people anymore, and every problem and every sadness in my life can be traced to my unwillingness to let people in. It sounds so dumb and childish as I say this, but in high school, my best friend shared an embarrassing secret about me to other girls in order to get in with them. I was devastated. Such a small thing kind of wrecked me. Then in college, I walked in on my roommate having sex with my boyfriend. I cried home to my mom, and she told me, that's just what girls do, honey. You can't let it bother you. Well, I have let it bother me, and it's affecting every aspect of my life. I don't have any close friends like you do. I'm single, and I think the reason I started an online business is seriously because I wanted to stop feeling left out at work. I tell myself I'm okay with a wider circle of people. You talk on the show about front porch, kitchen, and bedroom friends. I can't keep everyone on the porch and maybe one or two in my kitchen. It's affecting my work too. I impulsively fired a VA because I thought she betrayed my trust when I see in hindsight she only made a mistake. I think my guardedness affects my business. I'm closed off so people don't want to hire me. You say too that people hire people. I imagine that I don't, I, I imagine that I don't appear very human to others sometimes, or maybe even most of the time. 
How do you do it, Heather? How do you trust? How do you remain open? I know life hasn't always been kind to you, but you talk about you're all in life. I don't even know what that means, never mind how to have one or live one. Obviously, I have a lot here, and as you tell us, we can't solve the world in a podcast episode, but if I turn this into a single question, I guess it would be, how do you trust people? First of all, I just need to tell you that your letter just brings out so much emotion in me, but I have a promise that I'm not crying on another podcast episode anytime soon, so I'm going to keep it together. But I, I applaud your vulnerability. I want you to know that I read and respect your honesty, your openness to learning, and your willingness to start over. I, I think it's incredible. I know you think you're dumb and small and insignificant because you let these two isolated incidences kind of break you and determine your future with friends. But I get it because when you don't know who to trust, the first thing that happens is you lose trust in yourself. You lose trust in your ability to see who's going to be good for you and who's not going to be good for you. So rather than opening yourself up to vulnerability again, you just shut everything down. And here's the thing is you can't be open to trust without being open to vulnerability. When people are afraid to trust, it's not about um, even a fear of being betrayed, a fear of being let down. That's the words they say. But what the real like grip of it is, the real claw in that problem is how do you remain open? Because that's what you're asking me here. Because when you're open to other people and you're open to learning, you are, it's as if you're like turning yourself inside out and all of your nerve endings are exposed to the outside world and anybody can just ding them and twinge them and make them go crazy. That's what you're talking about here. How can you be vulnerable when the world has hurt you? Um, it wasn't Ashley that I was talking to yesterday. It was another friend of mine. And I think there's a sweet irony when I tell you that this is a friend that I refuse to make. Um, I didn't want to be friends with her. I didn't want to know her, like her, get to know her. She made me laugh at first and it made me mad. And why is that? It's because before I met her, I had another best friend, not Ashley again. Um, and that best friend broke my heart. Um, for reasons of her own, I think. I don't even think I could even tell the story. I don't even know how to tell the story, but I had a best friend for over 10 years, maybe 15 years even. And at some point in time, she just decided she didn't want to be my friend anymore. Um, and she let the friendship go and it broke my heart. Um, and I was fortunate at the time where I had a good circle of bedroom friends. I didn't need to know anybody else. I had my kitchen friends. I had my front porch friends. So after my best friend decided she didn't want to be my best friend anymore, I decided I was kind of all good with friendship, and I'm sure listeners to this show are laughing at me and, and know their own best laid plans in that territory when they just decide they're never going to love again, they're never going to date again, they're never going to let some person, you know, wreck them and break them again, and I think we do make those promises to ourselves, and it certainly sounds like you have been way better than I was at keeping that promise to yourself, but when I met this friend, I didn't want any new friends. I, I met her at the gym. Um, 
And uh, I was really intent on keeping her as an acquaintance. It was not my intent to get close. It was not my intent to let the friendship develop. Um, But she's an incredibly special human being. And she saw me. Um, And she kept seeing me. And I couldn't ignore the fact that my days were better when we hung out and I got to know her and we talked and she made me laugh and she was just my kind of special human and I couldn't ignore that. So I had to say yes, but in saying yes, I did have to recognize that this incredibly special human could someday break my heart too. Part of why leaving Boston was so hard um, was because it felt like breaking my own heart and it felt like moving away from those friendships that I had worked so hard to build and so hard to establish. It was a conscious choice of moving away that really hurt me. But what you're asking about is how do you make the conscious choice to move in? How do you make the conscious choice to say yes? And one of the things that I say to people, and a lot of times when I I was a therapist, people would come to me when they were in the middle of a broken heart. And usually it's it's not the friendship broken hearts that bring people to therapy, although I definitely had my fair share of those. But more often than not, it was the romantic relationship broken hearts. And um, I would have these mostly women come to me every once in a while. I would get a man, but they would come to me and they would just be so scared, so devastated. They'd been so sure of themselves. They'd been so positive that they found the one. They couldn't believe that they were wrong. And one of the things that I would tell them is they couldn't start dating again. They couldn't put themselves out there again until they were willing to have their hearts broken again. That's how you choose to trust by acknowledging that you can't make that choice without taking on the risk that you're going to get hurt again, that you're going to put your eggs in the wrong basket. Because in relationships, there's no way to guarantee that your next first date is going to be your last first date and your next first kiss is going to be your last first kiss. Because dating and getting to know people is that series of evaluation of do I know you? Are you getting to know me? Do I like what I'm learning about you? Do you like what you're learning about me? I have this set of needs. You have that set of needs. Am I willing to meet your needs? Are you willing to meet my needs? That is a process that happens over time. And I think that particularly for women, we have this story that if we make friends with someone, then we're supposed to just be friends for life, that it's against girl code that friends break up, Um, that it's just not something we do. So it's certainly not something we talk about. But over time, we have to make the choice to recognize that relationships grow and change. And your girls in your life, that girl in high school, the girl in college, obviously they didn't respect you. Obviously they cared more about themselves and their own immediate needs than they cared about you. That's true about people. There are simply people out in the world that make that choice and think that way. But not everybody. Where your mom kind of led you astray is she said, well, that's what all girls do. Because no, that's not what all girls do. Some girls do that. 
But relationships of any kind, including friendship, require work. I think you have a story here that in order to make a best friend, you just have to lead with openness and trust. Just like people who start dating again think they have to lead with openness and trust. That's not true. The way you get a bedroom friend is you start by keeping them on the front porch for a little while. Get to know them, see how they move through the world, see the things they talk about, see the things they share, see how they respond to you and the things you share, see what it feels like to hang out with them, see what happens, and then consider opening the door to the house and letting them into the kitchen. When I, you know, the friends you hear about like we've been on journeys. <laughs> um, Ashley and I have our own story and our own journey, and some of it includes time we spent apart not talking. So it's, it's about recognizing that relationships are messy. They're not easy, but you choose trust by choosing to do the work by choosing to engage in the process and choosing to recognize that yes, you might get your heart broken, but the alternative is loneliness. You guys all heard, and you certainly don't need to hear again, how much leaving broke me and hurt me, but it broke me and hurt me because I had to leave those relationships that I had spent so much time building. That is the natural consequence of loving. But can you imagine for a second what it had been like if I was living a life where I could pick up and leave and move and not miss anybody? I don't know that I would have wanted that alternative. I don't know that I would have wanted a life of disconnect because sure, it feels protective. And sometimes we need that protection. Before I started talking to you today, I was honestly trying to remember how much time had happened between my best friend choosing not to be my best friend anymore and when I met this girl at the gym. And I, I honestly, I can't remember. But I do remember taking a good long time before I was willing to open up again. And I think that's okay. If you pay attention to your pacing and you get yourself in control, then you can make the knowing choice when you're ready with someone who seems interesting to you, with someone who you've shared a laugh with, with somebody who, you know, for me and this friend, it was just an unexpected like connection that came out of nowhere of just shared laughter and a similar sense of humor, I think. But I had to at some point in time say yes to say this is somebody I'm getting to know. I want to know more. Let's see where this goes. And just like a relationship, I think our friendship outside of the gym just started with texting, like beginning, middle and end. Like I don't I don't think it was like some big dramatic thing or intense thing, but at some point um I did have to say yes. I had to say like, okay, friendship hasn't always been easy for me. Um, yes, I've been hurt before. Yes, friends have changed their mind about me and have decided they didn't want to be my friend anymore. But also too, I've changed my mind about other people and have decided I didn't want to be friends anymore. That's part of life and part of growing up. And I think that if you start to think about trust as giving yourself permission to stay on the front porch until you feel interested 
interested enough in somebody to welcome them into your kitchen, I think that puts you in the driver's seat of this conversation. And I that's where I would start. I would start to think about, you said here that you're not complete, you're not a hermit, you're not completely isolated. You already have a few kitchen friends. So I would see who's hanging out on your front porch that you think maybe deserves a ch- you know, a chance at getting to know you more. Or who are you interested in getting to know? And then with your kitchen friends, I would suggest sharing this episode with them, or at least your letter, sharing your personal struggle with trust. Because part of how you heal your, you know, your history with trust is by putting something out there of yourself and seeing what people do with it. Um, you can't do it silently. You can't sit and just kind of patiently, quietly wait until you decide to trust again. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes in order to change a pattern of behavior, you have to change the pattern. You have to do it. And then it changes your thinking about it. And then you find yourself making new choices. You know, it's funny. I reached out to my friend this morning and I said, hey, somebody wrote to me about our episode yesterday. And <laughs> she she said, to tell you, <laughs> it makes me giggle telling you, but she said to tell you to make sure that you know that it's not about choosing the having chocolate in common or music in common. And what she means by that is that I live and die by dark chocolate and she lives and dies by milk chocolate. Um, and I try to help her feel better every once in a while with music and my music, <laughs> my music sends her up a wall. Um, and that it's not about having the simple things in common, but it's about being willing and open to reminding yourself that everybody has had the moments that you have had. So going into it, recognizing that you're probably meeting other people who've had their hearts broken too, who have felt things that you have felt, who have been lonely, who have been scared, who have been brokenhearted, and just being willing to be present for someone else's experience so that they can be present for yours. Um, it's a process. I, you know, it's so funny to me that out of all the things I've said on the show, that this friendship conversation has really resonated. I did that letter to me a couple of weeks ago, and it's not common that people write to me about episodes that I've done after time has passed. I usually get the letters from people who have listened, you know, in live time and in real time on the day of, and once they've gone back and listened to episodes, it doesn't seem to stir people as much. But I had a, a number of people reach out to me about the comment that Ashley said. Um, and I think for now, <laughs> just because I can, I don't think I'm going to tell you uh, what she said. Uh, but that connection, that that emotion, that relationship, I think is something of a shared human experience of everybody wanting to have it, of wanting a person. You know, Grey's Anatomy, those of you who listen to that show um, know what I'm talking about with Christina and Meredith. They kind of coined the uh, the phrase, my person. And I, I definitely have my person. Um, but the other thing I want to do, and I, I hope men are still listening to this show right now. I don't know if they just heard an episode about female friendships and decided to stop listening. But some of the loneliest people I ever encountered in therapy were men. 
because I don't think men are taught on any level how to have the close intimate bonds in friendship like um, I do with my girlfriends. I actually think men have a particularly hard time with that. And I've, I've seen that in the clients that I've had over the years and I certainly witnessed it um, with my husband, um, after his injury, it was all of my friends who showed up for him. Um, his friends didn't know how to deal really because he got hurt, but they'd all like done physical activities together. He was a scuba diver. He was a runner. Um, he, you know, was a hiker. He did all kinds of like physical manly (laughs) activities. Me, I was like going to the mall with my friends and watching TV. Um, and so when he got hurt and he couldn't do those active things anymore, the dudes in his life really didn't know how to move through the world. And a lot of them kind of ghosted on him. And the same has been true since we've moved cross country. A lot of the guys that he would casually talk to or see from time to time he's no longer in touch with because I don't think men are encouraged to have the kinds of bonds that women have and I think that creates loneliness in men um, and it creates a whole host of problems but the men that I have talked to who have developed really good close friendships with fellow uh, male friends really get a lot out of it but it takes that same kind of bravery, the same vulnerability, the same openness of taking it beyond casual barstool talk and talk at the ball game and really getting real about how your relationships are, what your real struggles are, what your real stresses are. And I don't think men are given a model for how to do that. I would have been surprised if a male even wrote in after the show. Um, I think I'm probably going to be surprised if a guy listened to this whole episode. Um, but it's it's something that when I think about what's wrong with people this these days and not in the like, why are people not acting right? But like, where are their hurts? Where um, are the real struggles? I think a lot of struggles come back to loneliness and feelings of disconnected. I think that people entered the tech space and the tech world with really good intentions of staying connected. We all jumped on FaceTime with this idea that we could keep in touch with friends and relatives that we don't get to see very often. But I think that it's removed the human component a little bit. I'm looking at you in your letter and how you were able to just leave your workplace and develop an online business. You were tired of not fitting in, so you just found a plan B. That wouldn't have been an option for people back in the day. And to hide behind text message instead of actual conversations, I I think is changing the the trajectory of human relationships. And what you're going to have to decide and everybody listening is going to have to decide is who do they want to be and how do they want to move through the world in this technological age? Because it does enable a lack of trust. It does enable you to stay two feet, three feet, six feet away from everybody else. You can keep everybody, never mind. Like on your kitchen porch, you can keep them in a different neighborhood and um, just interact online only. So you're going to have to decide that the pain of loneliness is worse than the pain and fear that comes with human connection and trusting again and putting yourself out there. It has to be a conscious choice. When I became friends with my girlfriend after my friend had broken my heart, I, I consciously chose it. I said, like, this this is going to hurt. Like, this, this could hurt you. And it did. <laughs> it did. I cried all over her when I had to say goodbye and move to it 
move away from her. But I can also tell you that it's worth it. Um, my relationships are probably the thing I'm most proud of about my life. I am super proud of my talent professionally. I'm really proud of the number of times I've reinvented myself in my professional career, but I have relationships that matter, but I have worked effing hard for them. They have not come easy. It means being present. It means choosing to have the hard conversations, acknowledging when your feelings have been hurt and talking it out. It means trusting again after a breakup. Um, it's, it's all of that. And you're right, I can't help you with all of this in a single podcast episode. But if I can inspire you to believe that it's possible for you, that if you do trust the wrong person again, that it's still okay. And living an all in life is still absolutely worth it. Because loneliness it comes with its own share of pain and heartaches. Like I can't imagine what it feels like to not have connections. You think you're keeping yourself safe, but you know, this is the same thing when people like block their emotions. And I used to deal with this all the time in therapy and I'm sorry, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent, but hopefully you guys will stay with me. But I used to work with people who would decide, like, I'm just not going to feel anymore. I'm so tired of people hurting me. I'm so tired of being abused. I'm so tired of being taken advantage of and used. I'm just not going to feel anymore. And they do that because they think that they can keep out the disappointment. They think they can block out the sadness. They tell themselves stories that they'll never have to feel fear again. They'll never have to be heartbroken again. But when they do that and they guard themselves off. They guard themselves from the light and the warmth and the good because you can't be selective. It's not like one of those filters you use on a beach that lets all the good feelings go through but just keeps the rock in the little strainer. You end up closing yourself off from joy. And people who choose not to trust, people who choose to keep everybody at arm's length and on their front porch, they're letting they're blocking the light from coming in too. You you think you're protecting yourself from hurt. You think you're keeping the hurt in the little strainer so it never gets to you, but you're not letting the light in. You're not letting the healing in um, because people connections can heal you. Um, they're the only thing that can really. I can't tell you <laughs> the number of times I would be seeing single clients and it used to drive me batty, right? Well, I'd have these like single clients in my therapy office. Suddenly they'd meet the guy or they'd meet the girl and they were fine. Like all their problems magically went away. And I'd be like, yeah, you have to learn how to be alone. You have to learn how to be good with yourself. You can't just be better because a man or a woman loves you. But I do think human connection heals beginning, middle, and end. It hurts, but it also heals. And you have to give it permission to do both. You have to give yourself permission to feel both. You don't do it right away. You don't take someone from a bus stop and bring them into your bedroom. You take them from the bus stop and you put them on the front porch. Then you bring them into the kitchen and then you show them the bedroom. That's how that goes. So instead of thinking you have to be all in and completely open with every nerve ending exposed, see what happens when you just bring them from one space to the next in steps and stages that you can feel comfortable in, that you can embrace, but make the conscious choice 
decide for yourself that living an all-in life is worth it for you. That you don't know what the hell you're doing. You're going to get lost. You're going to take a detour, but it's all going to be okay. And one of the ways I think you can do this is go back to that VA. I know I am imagining you're like screaming at me right now going, what? But I think it's okay to, where possible, make amends. Because I think that's part of our healing process too. I think sometimes when we're guarded and we shut people off in an effort to avoid hurt and we get embarrassed and we realize we weren't fair, like we can self-accept a little bit or we can try to repair it. I think it's worth going back to that VA and saying, hey, I know I treated you unfairly. I just wanted you to know that even though all this time has passed since that event, I haven't stopped feeling bad. I recognize that you just made a harmless mistake and because of my own trust issues and my own difficulties with people. I really pushed you away, but I want you to know that I see your integrity. I know that you were well-intentioned and I'm sorry. It'll be for the VA, obviously. Like I, I think that the VA would appreciate that, but this is mostly for yourself here. This is mostly for you to start to see yourself doing it differently, that you're not stuck and embedded in old stories of yourself that at any point in time you really do you really really do get to tell yourself this is not how my story is going to end you get to change the chapter and have a life all in you can bring it into your business and the good thing is is you don't have to get that personal when it comes to business but you do have to open yourself up be friendly and show people who you are your business people can stay in the driveway you don't even need to get them on the front porch but they kind of need to know who you are what you do and how you serve in order to get the sale and it helps when you're personable and it helps when you're real the easiest way to do this is to stop censoring yourself because a lot of times this is the other piece that people don't realize is when they have made conscious decisions to not trust, they then have made conscious choices to edit and censor and some because they're not going to say what they're really thinking they you know somebody's story reminds them of their own story but they decide not to say it because that feels too vulnerable they have a thought but they don't share it because that would bring people too close it's so automatic that the other way you can do this is to lift off the sensor you've placed on yourself the impulse to share the impulse to say things because a lot of times when we've guarded off we're the ones who know the lock combination and we know the lock combination because we're the ones who shut it all down. So all you have to do is stop censoring yourself, unlock the door, let the natural stuff come through and be willing to see what happens next and trust. And this is getting long in a ramble. I'll try to wrap this up quickly. I know you all have your days to get back to, but the other piece of this is trust that when someone is inconsistent, when they show you who they are because they haven't said that they haven't done what they say they're going to do or they said they were going to show up and they didn't, then you will have boundaries because that is the other part of this trust discussion is that 
When you have healthy boundaries, when you know what you will put up with, what you won't put up with, and what you will stop, people are less likely to be able to really break you and break your trust because you've set the boundaries up at the beginning. So if, you know, I say this all the time, it's Maya Angelou's quote, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. So as people start to show you who they are, if they are inconsistent, if they don't seem respectful of you, if they don't seem to take care of you, or they don't seem to be present for you, trust your ability to call that out a little bit and don't continue to let them into the house. You can always close the door when somebody's showing themselves to be inconsistent or not in line with who you are, how you move through the world. That's the other way you get faith in yourself again, by recognizing and promising yourself that you will have boundaries. Because I don't know how many steps or warning signs you saw between your roommate and your boyfriend having sex, but usually when I hear these stories, because I've heard my fair share, there's usually, usually a warning. Usually there's some red flag that people have chosen to ignore, look away from, not pay attention to. The same thing with best friends who share secrets. I think that we give them one shot too many and then suddenly, you know, they're running away with the whole kit and caboodle. So make sure that you trust your ability to see the red flags, see the warning signs and respond to them and recognize that you are in control. You are in the driver's seat of your life and your business. You are consciously choosing that you want somebody in the passenger seat or in the back seat. You want to go for a ride and you want to see what happens next. Everything you need is right in front of you. My guess is you have some long ingrained habits on this. You're going to need some work. Um, you're going to need a helping hand. You got to do the work. Um, you know that I'm a business coach. You That's how you found the show. But if you want, um, I'll take you on as a client. I'll, I'll do this work with you. I recognize that it's personal and a lot of people are used to hearing me say that I don't do that anymore and I just help people with their business. But you reached out to me with this incredible letter and this is me reaching back so if you'd like to work with me one-on-one -on -one, um, I don't think you have months and months of work to do but I do think you could use some help support and structure as you decide the next step for yourself so um, that's my challenge to you I'm reaching out a hand and you trusted me this far you're gonna have to decide if you trust me the rest of the way so I I really I I appreciate your vulnerability I appreciate your share I can tell from the other letters I gotten that this concept of trust and bond and relationships is, in, is is resonating. So those of you who are listening in, I hope that this is, discussion has helped you too. I hope you're thinking about your own life and your own choices, recognizing where you have control, how you can chart your own path, and how you can decide what's next for yourself, your life, and your business. Thanks so much for having these hard conversations with me. You guys are really incredible and never cease to blow me away with your willingness to be vulnerable, open up, and share. I, I really, really value it so, so very much. Thanks so much for joining me today. I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.